Welcome to the New Life Philly Podcast. Every week, we share fresh insights as we explore the inexhaustible depths of the Word of God. We pray that you will be encouraged and challenged today as we continue in our study. Let's join in now. He is risen. Come on, one more time. He is risen. Amen. We serve a good God. And he is indeed risen. I am so blessed uh, to see each and every one of you here uh, this morning. It is a blessing to worship the Lord on Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Amen. What a blessing. Praise the Lord. Well, friends, we are here today. And my prayer is that every person here will be able to enter into the joy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Everyone here, everyone watching online, I pray that we'll be able to enter into that joy. But as I say that, I know that whenever we gather, there are people who are burdened with every sort of burden that this life brings. And among the crowd here today, those watching, I know that every sort of burden is here. But on this day, brothers and sisters, of all days, this day speaks to us of the hope and the promise of God, which is indestructible. It speaks to us because Jesus got up from the grave on the third day with all power in his hands. Amen. The devil could not keep him in the grave. Death could not hold him down. Sin could not keep him from getting up early Sunday morning. And I'm happy about that. I hope that you are too. And when he got up from that grave, not only did he conquer sin for himself, but for you and for me as well. You see, the Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians. He said, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This is our hope. Not that somehow we'll escape death, somehow we'll escape grief, somehow we'll uh, escape the burdens and the toils and the trials of life, but that we know on the other side, even of death itself, is resurrection life in Jesus Christ. That is our hope. Here's what I want us to see today, that everything, and, and I mean absolutely Everything about Christianity is centered on Jesus Christ. Fundamentally, Christianity is not a political statement. It's not fundamentally just about social issues or a doctrinal movement, but Christianity is the good news that Jesus Christ's love has been made perfect for us. 
Christianity is the miraculous call of God to an otherwise sinful people that they have been made clean by his once and for all sacrifice. Christianity is about Jesus. It's about his finished work, his death and his resurrection. And it's about his ongoing work to redeem, to love, to restore, and to bring to true freedom the people of God. Today, for just a few minutes, I want us to consider the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of the Gospels tell us that early on Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and some other women went down to the grave site of Jesus to anoint his body. And when they got there, they encountered some angels. And the angels told them, asked them the question, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Mary ends up, Mary Magdalene, being the first one who sees the risen Christ. So N.T. Wright, a theologian, calls her the apostle. That is the sent one, the apostle to the apostles. Sent to them to let them know so that they are sent out into all the world to proclaim the good news. And today, in just a minute, we're going to stand together and we're going to read a story of the resurrection from the Gospel of Luke. This happened on Resurrection Sunday. Two of Jesus' disciples, one of them we have a name for, the other we don't know, but two of them leave Jerusalem on Sunday and they're going to a town called Emmaus, which is about seven miles away. And while they're on their way there, Jesus joins them in the journey. But somehow, although they've walked with him probably for three years, they can't recognize him. They are kept from recognizing him. So I want us to stand together if we can do that now. And let's read the scripture together. Now, you'll see the the parts of it that are not uh, dark, those I will be reading, and then you will read uh, the bolded sections from Luke chapter 24. Let me grab it in my Bible. Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. The scripture says this. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Now let's read together and nice and loud. They replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. 
and they crucified him. Oops, I got to keep reading. Amen. (laughs) And now I lost my place and handed him over to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Amen. My title today is also my main point, which is my only point today. And it's simply this. It's all about Jesus. Tell someone next to you. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Let let me pray. Father God, I pray today that you will impress on our hearts what many of us already know but that you would do it in such a way that you would inspire us to live even more for you, even more to cut out distractions. Lord, be with us in the coming minutes, in the coming moments, and speak the truth of your eternal word to your people by the power of your spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It's all about Jesus. My goodness, if there was ever one sermon (laughs) that I wish I could listen to on tape or watch on a, remember those things called DVDs? (laughs) I don't know, back in the day, maybe it was VHS, but whatever it was, this is a sermon that I wish I, I was a fly on the wall for. This sermon, as they're on the road to Emmaus, Jesus, who they can't, they they can't see him. They don't understand who this man is somehow, but starts to take the word of God and break it open to them and show them Jesus on every page of scripture. Oh my goodness, what a sermon that must have been. That was the Bible study to end all Bible studies, amen? That was the one from Genesis through Malachi, what we call the Old Testament, what the Jews call Tanakh. That was their scripture. And he shows them himself throughout the scripture. In some ways, I cannot even begin to imagine what that Bible study was like. But I can at least try. Amen. Can you try along with me to think about what that might have been? He's showing them through all of scripture. So where would he start? My guess is he would start with Genesis 1-1. <laughs> the scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens 
and the earth. And so Jesus breaks open Genesis to them and says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, John hadn't written a gospel yet. John had not get the fullness of the revelation yet. But I think Jesus probably gave them a, a, a little inside scoop on John's gospel and tells them as they look at John at Genesis 1 1, he begins to tell them now in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And he tells them that that everything that was created was created by him and nothing was created without him. And, and he begins to show them that, that the God that they've always believed in exists in the word of God. And that's who that Jesus that you walk with, that's who he was. It's all about Jesus. So where does he go from there? Perhaps he goes to Genesis 3.15. He's talking to them about the fall of human beings into sin and the ravages that have been caused because people have departed from God's way and decided to go their own way. And when Adam and Eve fall into sin, the Bible tells us that, that, that God pronounces a curse on the serpent. And in that curse, Genesis 3.15, the scripture puts it this way. I will put enmity, God says, between you and the woman. He says, between your offspring and hers. That's an interesting phrase in Hebrew. It says, between your seed and her seed. Now, for an ancient uh, Israelite, that would not have made much sense because they never thought of the woman as having seed. The seed came from the man. But he says, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be trouble between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. But then he says, he will crush your head. He's speaking to the serpent. He's speaking to the forces of, of evil. He's speaking to the enemy. He's speaking to Satan. And he says, he's going to crush your head. This one who is the seed of a woman. Yeah, you'll bruise his heel. In other words, you're going to hurt him. You're going to cause him pain. But at the end of the day, he's going to triumph over you. And so there's this promise. Hard to understand exactly what it's getting at. But Jesus says to them, not them not knowing that he is Jesus. Jesus is the one this is talking about. They're scratching their heads. What? Genesis 3, 15 was about Jesus. Jesus said, yeah, sure was. Let me tell you something more. <laughs> Let's go to Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah is known as the gospel of the Old Testament because it's so saturated with the truth of the coming one, the Messiah. And, and he, he brings them to Isaiah 7, 14 that says the virgin will be with child. And they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. They are scratching their heads right now. And then Jesus tells them, remember all those rumors you heard about Jesus? They're like, yeah, it was some scandalous stuff. We heard that Joseph wasn't his daddy. He said, yeah. And you know what? That's right. Joseph wasn't Jesus' daddy. And they said, ooh, that's bad, that's bad, that's bad. Did, he did she have a side, John? 
Jesus said, no, 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 no side Johns, no side peace. None of that. None of that. This was what was promised through Isaiah. This was what was promised through Moses. The seed of the woman was Mary's seed. And what had happened was, is that the Holy Spirit came upon her. And although she was a virgin, you saw it in Isaiah, she gave birth to one who is God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. They're freaking out a little bit. And, and, and he says, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Where do you go from there? I just don't know. But, but And I just heard this one this week. Pastor Tim was talking to me in my office. And he told me about this scripture in Exodus chapter 14 and verse 13. Uh, in, in Exodus 14, the people of Israel are on the precipice. Uh, of of the sea with Pharaoh's army behind them, bearing down on him. And the people are crying out to God and to Moses saying, what have you done? We were better off in Egypt. We're going to get killed out here, Moses. And, and, and Moses hears the word of the Lord and he shushes the people down. And he says these words, do not be afraid. Stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord. That phrase, the salvation of the Lord, that Hebrew phrase, Yeshua Yahweh. Yeshua Yahweh. The name Jesus in Hebrew is Yeshua. Stand firm and see Yeshua Yahweh. You see Jesus and Yahweh together. Jesus is the one who brings the people through the Red Sea. Jesus is the one who crushes the enemy. Jesus is the one who takes them from bondage to freedom. It's all about Jesus. He's walking them through the scripture. And, and I wonder if, if, if he talks to them at this point and he tells them, remember John the Baptist? Oh, that dude was crazy. Yeah, I remember him, but he didn't end up so well. He lost his head. Amen. He was beheaded. I, I remember John the Baptist. Remember what he said about Jesus. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Yeah. I remember that. That was kind of weird. I never knew what John was talking about, this Lamb of God stuff. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Jesus says, well, remember Exodus chapter 12? You ought to remember it because we just finished celebrating the Passover in Jerusalem. Remember what happened when God sent the final plague on Egypt and he said that he was going to send an angel of death throughout Egypt and that the firstborn in every household in Egypt would die. They say, yes, I remember that. We just celebrated the Passover, but it didn't happen to the Israelites. Jesus is like, yeah, you're right. You're right. What happened? And they say to Jesus, because God told them to, to offer up a lamb, to cut the lamb and to pour out the blood. And when they put the blood of that lamb on the doorpost, as the angel was going throughout the land, he passed over their homes. Jesus said, you know, the Bible. Good job. Good job. Good job. But then he says, do you know? 
that when John said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he wasn't just talking about those lambs in the book of Exodus. He's not talking about the lambs that we just slaughtered in Jerusalem over these last few days. He's talking about not lambs, but the Lamb of God. And that was Jesus. He was crucified. He was, he was destroyed. He was beat up. He was, he was beaten in every way. Blood poured out of his body. And that is the blood that you don't take a paintbrush and put on a doorpost. But you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you shall be saved. It's about Jesus. He brings him through. The whole of scripture. He brings them through scripture. And Jesus had told them in the passage that we just wrote, that we just read. We didn't write anything here that we just read in verse 26. He said, did not the Messiah, did not the Messiah have to suffer all of these things? They're scratching their heads. Said, We've been in the Bible our whole lives. And we just never seen it that way. But it's starting to make sense. Jesus says, remember Isaiah 53? Yeah, that was a strange scripture to me. Didn't understand it. Jesus takes them to Isaiah chapter 53. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. Remember when the Bible talked to you about the root of Jesse? Yes, yes. The root of David? Yes, yes. Jesus is who it was talking about. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. He's not a megachurch pastor who is cloaked up in, 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 in well, I'm kind of cloaked up today, but... <laughs> He's not that guy. He's not on GQ. He's getting nowhere GQ. And they say, yeah, he wasn't the best looking dude. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. They remember Jesus. They remember the long days and the long nights of ministry. They remember his weariness. They remember even when they were coming into Jerusalem as he was being hailed, Hosanna, blessed be the king, blessed be the son of David. He wept over that city. They knew that he was a man acquainted with sorrow, despised, familiar with pain. And then it says, like one from whom people hide their faces. The earlier chapter, the chapter right before this in Isaiah, it says his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. It's speaking about Jesus on the cross. And if you read through the passion narratives, he wasn't just put on a cross. You know there was a crown of thorns on his head. You know he was punched in the face. You know he was beaten with clubs. You know that the Roman whip came on his back with little pellets of, uh, of rock and little pellets of bone in it 
specifically to take the skin off of his back. He was marred beyond what a human being could look like. And they said, yeah, I heard about all of that. He goes on in verse five. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He he was crushed for our iniquities. That's what that was about. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. My God, did I miss that? And by his wounds, we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. And the disciples look at each other and say, I know I have. And I know you have, too. Your life been a mess sometimes. And the Lord has laid on him, the Lamb of God, the iniquity, the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. I wondered what was going on. I heard that he got before Pilate and got in in, in all of these things and he didn't defend himself. What was wrong with him? But there it is. Right in Isaiah, like a lamb. See, lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, led to slaughter a sheep before its shearers. He was silent. He did not open his mouth. Verse 8 says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? He was taken away unjustly. You want to talk about an unjust justice system? It was right there. The most unjust system in the history of the world. The only one who was perfectly innocent is being taken away. And the scripture says, who of his generation protested? All of those who were crying Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Their mouths are shut. No one protests. No one stands up against Rome and against the Jews. For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked. Yes, yes. I remember there were thieves on either side of him. They're common criminals with Jesus in between and with the rich in his death. Yes, I remember Joseph of of Arimathea, that rich man is the one who made the, the gave his grave site to him. Though he'd done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. And cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering of sin. He will see his offspring. And prolong his days. This lamb. Dying on the altar. Dying on the cross. Is not done. He will see his offspring. And prolong his days. He's going to be raised up from the dead. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. They see 
this amazing reality going from Genesis through Malachi in the scripture that it's all about Jesus. And then the Bible says he broke bread with them and they recognized it was him. I wonder what that moment was like. I wonder what that moment was like, but then he was gone. He was gone. It's all about Jesus. They finally get it. Do you get it today? It's all about Jesus. And if you get it, and if I get that, then what do we do about it? What difference does it make? Brothers and sisters, you and I are here today because God has loved us so much. We're here because he thought you were precious. He thought you were special. Some other people don't think you're so special. <laughs> Some folks have said you're not so precious. But Jesus thought different. You're here because he did not consider it too much, too great of a cost to suffer and to die in your place. You're here today because before you were in your mother's womb, Jesus knew you. Jesus loved you. And before this world, this whole universe was formed, he decided he would pay whatever price it took to secure your salvation. Here's what I want you to see. Because of Jesus' love, you were redeemed from a life of slavery to sin. You were redeemed from a life of meaningless toil. Now we toil in this world. This world is under the curse. It is hard. It is difficult. The ground doesn't give up the good so easy in our world. But this is not the end of your life. It is not meaningless toil. You're redeemed from a world that always ends with sorrow, with frustration, with disappointment, and with grief, we all experience every one of those things powerfully in full force in this life. But here's the truth. Those things are not the end. You and I are here today because Jesus decided to love you no matter what. It's all about Jesus. So since God, God's word is true. What does that mean? What difference does that make for us? Brothers and sisters, I'm going to say this one last time. Jesus got up from the grave with all power in his hands. Somebody say all power. All power. So he gives us the ability and the power to live out a life that demonstrates his love in this world. I won't go there yet. Let me close with just one of Jesus' beatitudes. He tells us what it means for us to live like it's all about Jesus. Matthew 7, 6, he puts it this way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, but they will be satisfied. 
what's Jesus telling us here? That word, righteousness, has two meanings in the Greek. It means both a life that is holy and pleasing to God, but it also means justice and things made right in a world gone wrong. And he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for that righteousness to live a life that pleases God. I want to do that. I struggle with that. I fail at that, but I want to do that. And who care about a world that's gone wrong and say, I want to make it right. I want to love people well, and I want to make this thing right. It's all about Jesus. I've been blessed to walk now on this earth for 60 years. For the last 42, I've walked on purpose for Jesus. But I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I cannot begin to tell you how many times in how many ways I have messed up this simple message. It's all about Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I've too often made my life about the wrong things. I've made my life about appearances. I've made my life about achievements. I've made my life about somebody's idea of success, whatever that means. Made my life about competition. Looking at someone else and trying to do better, be better. But many times not about serving people in Jesus' name. Lord, have mercy. Here's what I'm learning. I think that's what I'm learning. Jesus didn't get up on the third day for a political party. Jesus didn't get up for a fragmented religious ideology that marginalizes outsiders. Jesus didn't get up so that a few people could think that they're somehow superior to everyone else because of the way they think. Jesus got up to redeem a lost world and to empower a people to love others with supernatural Jesus-charged love. He got up to give life to a world that was wrapped up in death. And he calls us to be vessels of life in that world. Let me close with this. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, in just a minute, we're going to worship the Lord for one last time. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I would urge you not to leave this place before you talk to someone about this Jesus, about what he can do, about how he can save, about the difference that he can make in your life. Many of you here have made peace with God through Jesus, but God might be speaking to you today as well. And I pray that if God is doing specific business in your heart, that you wouldn't think it's strange to come up and ask for prayer. I'm going to ask, boy, I don't know how we're going to do this with all the singers and everything up here. 
but we'll, we'll kind of go to the sides. We'll go to the sides. I'm going to ask for some elders and some leaders to just come up on the sides. And if people want prayer, we want to pray for you. If God is calling you to make your life about nothing more than Jesus Christ, he's put his finger on something that he wants to do. We invite you to come up while we're worshiping. Pray with someone. Do business with the Lord. If our musicians and singers can come up, I'll get this thing out of the way. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you. We bless you. And we ask, oh God, that you would move in our hearts and in our lives. Jesus is everything. It's all about Jesus. And Lord, I pray that on this Resurrection Sunday, when we celebrate that you got up from the grave, that wouldn't just be a celebration of what happened 2,000 years ago, but Lord, that you would get up from the grave in our lives, that you would do a work among your people, that you would draw people to yourself. Lord God, that those things that have held us down would fall off as we look to you and find the salvation and the power that we have in the risen Christ. Lord, do your work among your people. Glorify your name, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Let's worship the Lord. God's put something on your heart. You could just come up, asking elders to come up, some other leaders, you can come up as well to pray for folks. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. It's been a while since we've been able to gather in this place together for Easter Sunday. Amen. Uh, the last two plus years has rocked us, but it is such a blessing to see so many faces in this building. Amen. Can we just praise God just for a moment? And he's allowed us into this place and space again. So uh, in, order, in order to celebrate that, we wanted to do something uh, that was... Uh, retro and old but a goodie and I believe some uh, many of you might know this song Death Is Ended Death is ended Death is ended Death is swallowed up in victory Of an arm, the, the trumpet will sound, the, the 
be raised imperishable. It will be changed now. The same that is written will be true. Yes, it is. You know. This moment of victory. Sing it again. Yes, it is.
to God. Glory to God. I busted my tambourine. Symbols went flying. I don't know. I guess I guess I just got too excited watching Chris up here. May this be a, this is this is gonna have to be retired. May that be just a small symbol of the way we should live every single day, amen. Death is ended, swallowed up in victory because of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Receive the blessing of God. Take it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his counts upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of God's children said, Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Easter day. Enjoy some Sabbath rest. We'll see you back here next We hope that you've been blessed today by the preaching of God's word. Join us every week for fresh insights on the New Life Philly podcast. If you would like to reach out to our church for more information, or if there's some way we can pray for you, please visit newlifephilly.net or email newlife at newlifephilly.net. May the Lord richly bless you this week.